It's called the black man is God. It's called the black man is God. Next hour. This is for the children. You know what I'm saying? I got this idea from myself, of course. But this is for the children. I got this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all of fighting history. The easiest fight of my life. You think you're causing you with me? You really do? Anybody on your one? Anybody in my family? Mike Corey and Sean Jordan was the essence of the young chorus where we grew from. Seemed like a second, now they less important to the new son. I guess today weighs more than yesterday. It's morbid to suggest that they will come for them too. When it's a brother younger than you, who humble and who? Used to coach a night coast and blew up. Who knew? He caught you on a rough night, you were stumbling through. Now he telling you to get yours, get yours. All of you reporters made it hard on them. Never write about me like that. Never make me sick of Oh, yeah. What's up, y'all? Jay Hicks. Back like I left something. I did leave something. I left all my listeners hanging. Well, sorry about that, man, but things happen. <laughs> things happen. That's pretty much all I can say. I got nothing else to add to that. I'm glad to be back. Um, today, in case you're living under a rock, is Tuesday, December 31st, 2019, which means it's the last day of the decade last day of the decade y'all so i knew i hadn't hit y'all with a pod in a minute and i'm thinking like last day of the decade man i I gotta come through in some kind of way right i gotta do something so i had to throw on uh throw the cape on step in the booth turn on the podcast machine and uh get at y'all one time it's jay hicks hip-hop sports report podcast y'all i appreciate y'all for checking us out today on this wonderful new year's eve um yeah, man, had a great Christmas with the family. Got to see my parents. Got to spend time with my, my beautiful wife and my two amazing children. I hope you guys all had a wonderful holiday as well. I'm still staring at the Christmas tree in my house, which is probably not long for this world. We actually got a fake tree, y'all. We, we went the fake tree route like two years ago, which was kind of whack, you know what I mean? Because I, <laughs> I wanted a tree that had like the pine smell, like the real tree. But it's more work. You know, you got to strap it to your car, find out how to get it in the house and sweep up all the needles and take it down and get it on the curb and then hope they come and pick it up before it turns brown and turns your tree lawn brown. And then, you know, you got to water it every day. Anybody got time for that, right? Anybody got time for keeping plants alive? You know what I'm saying? Who's got time for that? So and it looks wonderful. I wish you guys could see it right now, but it's not a video podcast. It is just a preseason podcast of the year. I apologize again if I'm a little nasally i'm a little congested there's stuff going around in my house i have small children they are germ magnets they latch themselves onto germs the germs don't latch themselves onto them they seek out the germs and they find them and then they bring it to me like here daddy and i'm like i don't want that shit you know what I'm saying? but whatever you know that's just how they roll and the whole house gets infected and whatever whatever i'm battling through it the rest of my family is not as lucky as i am but i may be a little bit congested today so i apologize for that in advance now with this being the last day the last final hours of the decade of the year 2019 and the decade the 2010s i guess that's what we call it we call it the 2010s i guess that's what we call it nobody really knows what we call it but with it being the end of the decade i figured 
you know, what would make more sense than to do a decade in review podcast from a hip hop and sports context, obviously primarily focusing on the sports that we care most about here, which is football and basketball. Our fan base is primarily focused on those two sports, and I understand that. And so that's what we try to give the people what they want, right? You guys know where to find us. Twitter.com slash HHS report. Facebook.com slash HHS report. We were on Google+. Plus. They deaded that. They gave it the, the kibosh, you know what I'm saying? So we're not on there anymore, but you can still find us on iTunes and on Stitcher Music and on Google Play. So we're out here, y'all. Um, the decade. What, what are we thinking about when we think about top performers? Who owned the decade in sports? Who owned the decade in hip-hop music? That's what we're going to get into today. And we're going to leave a little bit of time at the end for my lovely wife, who has never made an appearance on the podcast yet all these years. So she's going to make her podcasting debut, as it were. So we're looking forward to that. We'll start, though, with hip hop. End of the decade, y'all. Um, a lot of people are talking about the best rap artist, um, best rap album, best rap song, best rap verses. That's where I'm going to start with things. And first of all, let me start with two things. Number one, big shout out to my man Ponzi Scheme, who held us down, created the theme song. We had him on the podcast a little while back. Go check it out if you haven't seen it before. HipHopSportsReport.com if you haven't heard it. Shout out to Ponzi Scheme for holding us down with the wonderful theme music that he blessed us with, that he blessed this show with. And uh, that definitely goes down as one of my favorite records of these last 10 years i mean the hip-hop sports poor anthem the no net anthem man the the intro music the outro music you hear it every time we do a show that i appreciate from ponzi scheme so that's number one number two this is my list y'all i mean like i didn't you know you guys know we have contributed to the show this is this is this is this is justin's baby right here this is my podcast and these are my opinions and beliefs i'm gonna tell y'all right now it is way harder to keep track of hip-hop now than what it used to be and it's way harder to keep track of hip-hop Uh, than it is sports sports is in your face they do live games every single night they have all these shows on all these different networks it's much easier to stay current on issues and things of that nature there's always a game on tv but there's not always an album that's that's live on television but you have to consume it you have to go out of your way to consume certain music and the thing about it is y'all when you listen to hip-hop uh as an adult you consume it differently as you did as an adolescent as as a young man as a teenager as a student in college or whatever so it's just a lot different and then the other thing y'all is that all the older artists that i grew up on none of them are tired they're still here they're still putting out new music and so those are the artists that i naturally gravitate to and when these newer artists come along that maybe i'm not as hip to that i learn about late a lot of times to be honest uh i'm trying to keep track of their new music while still following all this old music. It'd be like, imagine if the NBA never retired and like the like guys never retired from the NBA. And so imagine I'm still trying to keep up statistics of, of Charles Barkley, my favorite player growing up, where Isaiah Thomas is still out here getting buckets. Like imagine if they never stopped playing, but you have all these new guys in the league. So I'm supposed to know about what Isaiah Thomas is putting up and I'm supposed to know what Trey Young is putting up. That's impossible. You know what I'm saying? Or at least it's very difficult. And so that's what hip hop is challenging us with because we have generations now within the genre itself. I say all that to say this. These opinions are that of my own. They do not reflect the opinions of any other contributor on hip hop sports support. These are my opinions, y'all. So as I talk about sports, as I talk about hip hop in this particular podcast, recapping the decade, these are things that I remember. These are things that I noticed. These are things that I wanted to call out. 
I'm gonna miss some stuff, okay? That's that's the point. I'm gonna forget some stuff. You guys are gonna be like, oh, that's garbage, Jay. What about this verse? I forgot that verse, okay? Or what about that song? I probably never heard that song, or maybe I forgot to hear that song. I forgot to list it. It didn't come. It didn't click in for me when I was putting together my content for this show, okay? Forgive me, all right? That's that's just my cross to bear, but I'm going to ask for grace on that a little bit, all right? These are just my opinions. I'm going to forget some stuff. I'm going to forget your favorite artist, especially if he's under the age of 21, okay? Uh, Including 21 Savage. He's probably not going to make the cut here today, but that's okay. I'm just saying, when I talk about this, some of that stuff's going to get left off. Don't come from your boy's head on social media, you know what I'm saying? Because I ain't having that, all right? Now, best rap artist of the decade. To me, this decade was ran by two people, and I think you guys can probably already piece together who they are. But I'm going to start with a little, a little bit of honorable honorable mentions. Um, and somebody's at my door. Just a second. All right, y'all. Sorry about that. I'm back. That was the uh, the Metronet guy trying to slang this Metronet out here in these streets on New Year's Eve. You know what I'm saying? And do you think I tried to plug the podcast to him when he before he left off my front porch? Because he said he liked basketball, he liked rap music. Do you think I plugged the podcast? You bet your ass I did. <laughs> All right. Anyway, honorable mention, rap al- rapper of the decade, you know what I'm saying? So I, I just I was just brainstorming, y'all. I just came up with a lot of names. Um, Chance the Rapper obviously had a great decade. Uh, some other guys that's not going to get mentioned on a lot of other podcasts or whatever, but Freddie Gibbs had an awesome decade uh, making music. Currency, awesome decade. Um, two rap groups. That really set themselves apart. Migos, obviously. Ray Schremer. Both had hits. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on. So, shouts to them. And Cardi B, man. Cardi B, her run didn't really start yeah, as, a, as a mainstream artist until like 2017, 2018. You know what I mean? So, it's harder to lump her in a category with some of the other people that we're about to talk about. But, I mean, Cardi B's impact was profound. And this is what I'll say about Cardi B. So Nicki Minaj, from a female rap perspective, owned the decade up until, you know, the end of the decade, basically from 2010 through about 2017, 18. And then that's when kind of Cardi took over that top spot. As far as lady MCs are concerned, she she kind of dominated the charts. She did dominate the charts. She dominated just social media, public interest, all of that. Cardi B was doing Pepsi commercials and stuff before the decade was out. She she's got the rhythm and flow show, which we'll talk about, but she set herself apart. Cardi did in that regard. Now, Nikki, Nikki had seven years on top and Nikki was huge. So it's no knock on her. But what I will say is that what we didn't see from Nicki Minaj, for whatever reason, was the door get opened up for enough for other female rappers to come through. You know what I mean? So there were other female rappers that were out there, but. For some reason, Nikki was the only one that the public could really sink their teeth into. And I don't know if it's the relatability of Cardi B, if it's just the humor and the fact that she came up on reality TV and Instagram. I don't know what it is about her, man. But something about her personality is magnetic to the point that I think her arrival helped open doors for other female artists. Nikki didn't do that, okay? But for some reason, maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's something more to it. But what I did notice was that after Cardi B took off, what do we see happen? We saw City Girls. We saw Megan Thee Stallion. We saw Rhapsody uh, get more respect as a, as a mainstream lyricist. We saw Young M.A. come through. We saw Lizzo, who's owned the year even to a point that I don't even agree with she owned the year so much. But there, Time Magazine said she's the most interesting entertainer of the year. I don't really agree with that. But like 
the fact that Lizzo's on the cover of Time Magazine and she's shaking her ass at Laker games with no draws on. Like, she took off. Like, these people have all taken off since Cardi B, you know, stepped into the, stepped onto the scene. You know what I'm saying? So Nikki didn't really do that. Nikki had seven years where she had a torch. And for whatever reason, I don't know if she was trying to suppress those other artists. I don't know if she just dominated them. And it's a Roy Jones Jr. situation. She's just so much better than the female competition that nobody else could step up. Or if it's something else about Cardi that opened the public's eyes and consciousness to these other female MCs that are out there, but they're getting it now. So ladies, I appreciate you because I've written on the site before about how Female rappers don't get enough respect. We don't. We only compare them to female rappers. We don't even really compare them to male rappers. But now, this past year, the past year, 18 months, we've really seen the female MCs take hold, and I'm proud of them. Now, as far as going up a notch now, the only, the only reason I didn't put Cardi in the upper echelon is because she really, like I said, she didn't have the longevity. She was only on the scene for about the last two, two and a half years or so. So I, I didn't put her in this top group. Pusha T. Pusha T had a great decade. You know what I'm saying? He had he had the Daytona album. He had he did the work with Kanye and, and the good music people. Um, he had the the War of Words with Drake. He's still beefing with Drake. It seems like he he kind of bodied him with the Adenon record or whatever. So I mean, we really saw Pusha T step up. I still personally put him in a class below other rappers. Like people love Push more than I do, frankly. And it's not because I don't think he's dope. It's just he has he's probably the least versatile great rapper that we have today this guy raps about one subject okay any album any feature any work he did with his brother with the clips and pharrell going all the way back do you understand that the clips came out when when you know your boy was in high school when clips came out like we're talking like 2000 2001 when they first hit the scene with the grinding record like Pusha t's been out a long time we're talking almost 20 years in the game for Pusha t and he raps about one subject. No other rapper gets that leeway. No other rapper who we consider to be at the top of the game gets that leeway. So when he was talking about I had album of the year in 2018 with Daytona, I'm like, mm, no, you didn't. Because you talked about one subject on that album from what I remember. And it was like seven songs. So no, that doesn't cut it for me. He's, he's the Kyle Corver of rap. He's great at one thing. He's an all-time great at coke rap. But there's a lot more to hip-hop than that, personally. That's just how I feel. Um, Gucci Mane and Meek Mill, both of those dudes, did a bid, came home, t- blew up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, in a way that was different. Like, Lil Wayne did a bid, and, and he wasn't quite the same. But Pusha t- or, uh, Meek Mill and, and Gucci, like, I mean, like, they, they hit another level of fame after they came out of jail. Gucci was even hitting the gym. He even got the ladies on his team now. And he did the wedding reality show and stuff. Like, he's got the, the ladies all about Gucci Mane these days. And it's not like the same cat that he was before. But in addition to him... Like I said, Meek Mill, when you look at the rise and fall and rise of Meek Mill again and popularity and just an acceptance, like when Drake dissed him with back to back and and charged up, we didn't and, and, and Meek put out the, the whack. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know <laughs> when he put that out and it flopped like it was it was uncool to like Meek Mill at that point. And then Meek Mill gets locked up on some bogus charges and the streets rallied for him. And the New England Patriots rallied for him. And the 76ers rallied for him. And he came out of jail and he was a super-duper star all of a sudden. And he's hobnobbing with billionaires. And it's, it's pretty impressive the turnaround that he had, man. So, shouts to him. Mention Nicki Minaj, obviously. Um, you know, she's going down in the Rap Hall of Fame as one of the most lucrative, successful, and, and, and lyrically dominant female MCs that we've ever had. You know what I mean? She she makes a lot of music that maybe some of us purists don't really get into, but 
Nikki got bars, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Travis Scott is he gets a mention. Um, he's not quite at the top echelon of the line, but Astro World was definitely a huge record, huge tour a couple of years ago. Um, he's 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 involved with a Kardashian, which only accelerates your popularity at this point. So um, for any for everybody except the the, the cat that played for the New Jersey Nets. <laughs> What was his name? I don't even remember his name. What was his name? Uh, Humphreys. Chris Humphreys. That cat. Yeah. He's out of the league. He's out of everybody's collective consciousness. Nobody cares. Travis Scott gets a nod, though. Um, Future gets a nod, of course. Future had a huge decade. He was big. He was big. Now, again, he's one of those guys that whose music I did not always gravitate to. Some were hits, some were misses with me. I tried to get into the Dirty Sprite stuff. I tried to get into the Hendrix albums and some of these other albums, and he just ain't for me, man, all the time. But there are certain songs that Future's made that I love. But overall, as an artist, he's not somebody that I personally attach myself to. But he absolutely had one of the biggest runs of the decade. And now we're going to start getting into some heavy hitters. Nip Hustle. Nipsey Hustle obviously passed away on uh, March 31st this year. We did a whole podcast about it back in the spring. Uh, now, he's the exact opposite of Future. He's an artist who I absolutely gravitated to on my own. And to be frank, he was my favorite rapper of this decade before he died. And when he got shot, it just elevated his fame, his impact to a whole nother level. If you guys follow Hip Hop Sports Report on Facebook and Twitter, we, we posted the videos where I was live down on Crenshaw and Slauson in front of the Marathon store where we went out there and paid homage to Nip Hustle. And there was... It was, it was just a random Friday afternoon. It was like a Friday morning at like 11 o'clock. And there was scores of people out there just paying respects to this guy. And this was months after the, the tragedy had taken place. Um, and we've just seen, the, we saw what the funeral looked like. It was in the Staples Center. You know who hits a funeral in the Staples Center? Michael Jackson, Nipsey Hussle. That's who gets a funeral in the Staples Center. When Kobe dies, they'll probably do Kobe's funeral in the Staples Center. Magic Johnson will probably get a funeral in the Staples Center. And that's about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's you <laughs> for them to, you know, this ain't this ain't your mortician from up the street. You know what I'm saying? This isn't this isn't your church from that your granny goes to around the corner. We're talking about the Staples Center. That's where his funeral was. You saw the procession. You saw his casket getting carried through the streets and he and the car was getting mobbed and, and everybody was just in the street hurting because we lost this great brother. You know what I'm saying? This this genius mind that frankly we needed in hip hop. If you're not hip to Nip Hustle, I encourage you strongly to go back and listen to his work because there's a lot of there's gangster rap and there's a lot of that stuff in there, but that's not all he talked about. He talked about way more than that. Go back and check out our last podcast where we talked about Nip. I mean, we featured his music on here all the time. I wrote a piece on him about comparing him to the rap Elon Musk or making that connection. That's just kind of how he was. Very enterprising, very business minded and oriented at all things in all things. Um, Nipsey Hustle was was ahead of his time, frankly. And um, I don't know that, you know, he would have made my personal list, but he would not have made the A list as far as people that I'm talking about right now, as far as who owned the decade, had he not died tragically. Because not from my perspective, but his death is what caused everybody else to wake up and take notice. You know what I'm saying? So Nip Hustle gets a nod for sure. Jay-Z, of course. He's not at the top of this list, but we got to see Jigga Man in his 40s. And the rappers who are in their 30s right now 
who made this list that are ahead of Jay-Z. I'm curious to see if their next decade in their 40s matches up with Jay-Z's decade in his 40s. Because are they going to put out an album the caliber of 444? Are they going to be doing deals with with the NFL and doing deal well probably not the NFL but y'all know how I feel about that that's on the website also but are they is he you know think about the deals that he did with Samsung and and uh, the the impact that he had and the influence that he still carries and where we saw Jay-Z go from a business standpoint he launched title in this decade okay i have title all right he's doing stuff that you know like Drake partnered with Tim Cook and Apple on the Apple Music thing, right? And that's great, but he ain't running Apple. You know what I'm saying? Tim Cook's running Apple. No, Jay-Z owns title. He's running it. It's his show. So you don't put Jay-Z on par with Drake. You put Jay-Z on par with Tim Cook. You see what I'm saying? The first rap billionaire, Sean Carter, right? That happened this decade. So you got to give Jay-Z a ton of credit, even if he only had one great album this decade. That was a solo album. Now, he also made Watch the Throne in 2011 with Kanye. Highly underrated record. Um, uh, the Magna Carta Holy Grail had some songs on it, but it didn't quite land with people with longevity. But 444 is going to live on for a long time. So Jay-Z is absolutely in this conversation. Kanye West, the aforementioned Kanye, in this conversation. Watch the Throne, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy were great. Life of Pablo, very good. Uh, his new record, Jesus is King. Very good gospel rap record. Excellent record. Um, Jesus. Eh. <laughs> Not so much. Yay. Eh. Yay kind of missed. Jesus was a disaster. Okay. But I respect Kanye for taking chances. So he's not the, at the top spot of the decade, but he gets a mention, of course. And then we have J. Cole, who is, has somehow become the most polarizing rapper of this decade. He came out on A Star Is Born in 2009 on Jay-Z's uh, Blueprint 3 album. We didn't know what Cole was, but we just knew he was dope. And then as time went on, we, we saw his progression as an artist. And like I said, some people vibe with it, some people didn't. I mean, Cole has a ton of fans, and his fans are about as loyal as any group of fans that any rapper has. It's like a cult following, but like way more massive, right? Anything that J. Cole does to a certain group of people it's 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 bomb. It's fire. You know what I mean. And then you have others that look at Cole and they're like, eh, it's boring. You know, my brother Kenneth has oft, often referred to him as the Tim Duncan of rap, <laughs> which is mostly a compliment, except when you consider that this is entertainment and you're supposed to be entertaining. And Tim Duncan's style of game was anything but entertaining. But the guy was a five time champion, right? So it's kind of like, eh, you know, there's give and take there. But um, Cole's a tremendous artist. He put out several very solid projects this decade. I don't know if he put out a singular classic, which is kind of the benchmark, but that can be debated for a lot of guys who that cannot be debated for is Kendrick Lamar. And then there's Drake, right? Um, Those two guys separated themselves from every other artist in these last 10 years. If you're asking me who I give the nod to, I give the nod to Drake. Drake was the top rap artist of the 2010s. He owned this decade. Kendrick Lamar gets a close second. Kendrick Lamar, artistically, lyrically, amazing, right? Drake, not always amazing. Sometimes amazing, sometimes, you know, always entertaining. Sometimes, you know, he makes too, too many soft, girly records. You know, you can't really get on board with it, whatever, whatever. 
Look, man, Kendrick, and we're going to talk, like I said, more about albums and verses and songs and bars and all that stuff. Kendrick's got that all over Drake on a consistent basis, I think, when you talk about consistency. But Drake made more radio-friendly records. He made more club-friendly records. He made um, a few very good albums. Maybe he didn't make a classic. I think Kendrick has at least two classics under his belt which gives him strong consideration for which rapper owned the decade. But when you look at Drake's longevity, Drake started a little bit earlier, you know, so far gone came out in 09. He rolled that wave right into thank me later in 2010. Uh, Kendrick was still dropping section 80 in 2010, 11 in that range. Um, people weren't really hip yet. They didn't, they didn't get it yet. And it wasn't until good kid, Mad city came out in 2012 that Kendrick really took off, but Drake already had a head start. So that goes into Drake's advantage. That's a, that's a check mark for Drake. You know what I'm saying? Um, Rappers don't dominate for 10 years. We haven't seen it. Um, hip-hop technically was started, I think, in 1972. Um, I don't think it really hit mainstream radio until, like, 1979. Uh, gangster rap didn't really take hold until the early, late 80s, early 90s, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then we saw it go up a level when Tupac came, and then we saw it go up another level in popularity when Eminem came, and that's when it started to become mainstream. But... We've never seen an artist dominate from a from a mainstream perspective, from a streets perspective, and from a a, a female perspective that the ladies like to listen to him. You know, radio records, you know, insightful records, switching up different topics, not like Pusha T rapping about the same thing over and over and over again. We saw Drake do all that. We've seen Drake get in battles. We've seen Drake sing. We've seen Drake rap. We've seen Drake make whole songs turn into hits basically with just a hook. We've seen him bless so many other features and turn them into, into hits. I mean, like the guy's record for what he's done in this decade is pretty much unassailable. Like you're not going to like everything that he did necessarily, but from an impact standpoint, culturally, um, you know what he did on social media, how he, how he created videos like hotline bling. And he had all the, the gifts and the memes and all that stuff. Like, Drake has has he's not been afraid to take chances and he's been on another level, even from Kendrick Lamar, slightly, in my opinion. Kendrick Lamar, all the credit in the world. Like I said, he's he's kind of a, a notch below Drake. But Drake, I mean, he the, if you look at the record sales, I mean he's just been smashing all kinds of record breaking marks from, from a digital download perspective it's crazy and i wrote an article about it i believe in this past year that we've never seen a 10-year run like drake is having so go back and check that out and that is the evidence as to why i'm giving drake the top spot switching gears to rap album of the decade no again i don't really have well i do have a rap album that i think was the best of the decade but the point here is again i didn't hear every album that came out this decade so if y'all want to get pissed at me for that Whatever, I don't care, okay? This is my list of what I think were the best albums of the decade. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll work backwards kind of again. Um, and this is this is in no real particular order, but these are just stuff that came to mind. Um, I talked a little bit about Cardi earlier. Um, invasion of Privacy was not something that I keep in the regular rotation, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't have that downloaded on my title. I'm not constantly going back to Invasion of Privacy, but that album was actually a lot better than I think most people might think, even hip-hop purists would realize. And uh, whoever wrote it, I don't think Cardi really wrote it, but whoever wrote it, they actually did a pretty good job with the lyrics, and it, it turned out to be a much better project overall than I think a lot of us would have anticipated. And for all the other impact that I mentioned about Cardi earlier, she gets a shout for that. 
Distant Relatives, Nas and Damian Marley. That was 2010. Um, with the track Naameen on there. That that Naameen still slaps to this day. Um Royce the Five Nine had two great projects this decade. Um Layers and The Book of Ryan were both excellent albums that if you guys haven't checked out, you should. And 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 uh, kind of along those lines, again we're talking about real lyricism here. No dope on Sundays, Saha the Prince, another slept on record. I remember getting on the podcast back in two, 2017 and saying that that was one of the three best albums I had heard that year. And I would put that right up there in the conversation with uh, these, these, some of the best albums that we have heard this decade. Along with that, uh, the young OG project by fabulous that gets a nod had ball drop on there. I love ball drop. That's one of my favorite songs of the, of the last 10 years. Very appropriate on December 31st. That's a staple now that fab lockdown that like you can you can put out a, a, a record that's like a Christmas record and then everybody spends it on Christmas. So you can put out a, a, a whatever type rap record and then that'll just be associated with that day. Fab has New Year's lockdown with ball drop in, in perpetuity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, Nas life is good. I think it was Grammy nominated. It didn't win it that year. I don't believe, but it should have. Um, life is good was the first, maybe not the first, maybe I shouldn't say that, but it was at least for me, the first album. Cause as I transitioned into a different stage of my life as an adult, you know, and, 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 you know, this was like 2012. So at that point, you know, I'm a, I'm approaching, um, you know, my, my late twenties, um, I'm working full time or I'm in school. I was in grad school. I think at the time, maybe uh, I was in that range, um, you know, of doing those different things. And, you know, I had a long time girlfriend and was looking at marriage. I got married two years later. So just thinking about where, what stage of life I was in hearing somebody rap who I grew up listening to rap about real adult problems like fatherhood and what happens when a marriage doesn't work out and stuff like that. It was real live adult rap for the older heads and and it was necessary and it still is necessary and we saw Jay-Z take that to another level with 444 in 2017 Nas absolutely deserves a mention for Life is Good in 2012 Uh, I mentioned Currency a little bit earlier The Stone Immaculate highly underrated album Uh, Armoire was on that record Um, what's the other one hang on Sorry, Showroom. Showroom was also on that record. Just some of the great, some of the best luxury rap that, you, that you've heard was from Currency on this particular album. Like, just great stuff from Spitta. Uh, talked a little bit about J. Cole earlier, and this is kind of where, what the issue with him is that, like, which album would you really classify was his best? Like, I've always been a sideline story guy. I always thought his first album was arguably his best, but it never is viewed that way. I think Forest Hill Drive is probably the one that gets the most credit for being j cole's best album but i don't really know that it is forest hill drive born center all those records were right on par with one another then you know you had the the kod record and and then the other one that that i can think of that i'm forgetting right now the name of it escapes me but there you know cole had another album in there too like they're all very good j cole records but none of them really stands out to me personally and and that's kind of a, a a drawback in terms of like ranking him as far as where he stands amongst the giants of of the game like again none of them are really classics all of them are good are any of them special uh, i don't know uh the gifted by wale very good record has some great production on that one uh from just blaze and some others um probably wale's best work 
and uh, but he's he's gonna find a way to bitch about not being uh, not having all of his albums on this list. I'm sure. Um, ASAP Rocky, right? Long live ASAP, and at long last, ASAP. Solid records, very solid records. Both of those um, deserving of a mention. Teflon Don by Rick Ross. That was Ross's best work, in my opinion. But I will say that, uh, and I think that was 2010. I will say, though, that Ross had several albums this decade, which were right on par. Matter of fact, I don't even think he got a mention in, in the top artist part. If, if, if I skipped over Ross, he's on my list. I'm looking at it, but maybe I didn't mention him. But, yeah, Ross absolutely deserves consideration also for the top artist of the decade. But, I mean, he had, I mean, the Mastermind one, God Forgives I Don't, Teflon Don, uh, Hood Billionaire, all of them. Like, you can take, maybe, you know, I think Teflon Don was the best but if you you can take songs off of each of those and create a, a super playlist of Ross records, right? Um, even Port of Miami too has some has some has some heat on it um, in a couple of spots. So uh, I would give him credit for that. And um, oh, and as far as best songs, you know, I'm, I didn't write this one down, but Santorini Greece, one of the best songs of the decade. You know, again, luxury rap to the fullest, y'all. Santorini Greece goes on the list of best songs that I didn't have it written down, so I'm glad I remembered it right now. Um, Watch the Throne already mentioned that that that's that had some um, I, I mean No Church for the Wild was a crazy record Otis was crazy dope um, Niggas in Paris got a lot of play and it's probably the most popular song on the album not my personal favorite record but it gets a lot of play um, and and a couple of songs right after Niggas in Paris on the album uh, uh, track five <laughs> where Ye and, and Jigga are going back and forth really had some clever bars in there um on that song that song was hang on that was actually uh gotta have it where they were going back and forth you know kind of volleying the 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 verses to one another uh jigga and yeezy were and then new day was great uh we had who gonna stop me on that one we had murder to excellence um i love you so Ooh, i love you so yeah i love you so yeah <laughs> it was fire y'all it was it was. Uh, Jay had some bars on there. I mean, that that the whole the whole album was fire, man. I don't think people forget how dope Watch the Throne was. It came out in August of 2011. Um, now here's a controversial one: "To Pimp a Butterfly." Um, so the the artistic artsy farty nerd rap community will lead you to believe that "To Pimp a Butterfly" was the best album of the 2010s in rap. I disagree. I don't think it was that good. I thought it was very good, very intelligent almost too intelligent, like he was trying too hard to be s- too smart in like a Lupe fiasco kind of way. Like, and it, I mean, you know, and it's dope. Like, we get it, but it was like trying a little too hard, it almost felt like. But And maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. You know, Good Kid, Mad City had a theme, but it wasn't like trying, like to reach for a theme. And it felt a little forced with To Pimp a Butterfly, even the name To Pimp a Butterfly. Shout out my man Rob Parks. I had him on the show, and he said, what does that mean, To Pimp a Butterfly? And I just laughed. And I know the explanation that Kendrick gave, but it's still kind of like, come on. Okay. So, um, but that definitely gets named, uh, gets a mention as a section 80 section 80 was fired too. Kendrick just ran a decade, man. I'm telling you, I mean, he, I mean, Drake is number one, but Kendrick, man. Cause I mean, he had damn also, which, uh, somehow beat Jay-Z's four, four, four for Grammy album of the year for rap album of the year, which it should not have. Um, that was a, that was uh, an embarrassment, but the Grammys are not new to embarrassment when it comes to hip hop. But Dan was dope though. Don't get me don't get it twisted. Dan was an excellent rap album. Um Drake had a couple of albums in there. 
Um, you know, he had he had nothing was the same. He had take care. Those are probably his two best. Um, I would probably put take care a little bit ahead of nothing was the same. Both of them had some great songs. Both of them had some holes in it. Um, classic songs can be found on both of those albums. I don't know that either one of those albums are classic, but again, it speaks to Drake's consistency. You know, maybe he never hit the highest of the heights in terms of classic rap album, but he definitely was, you know, flirting with it for sure. And the consistency to be able to put these records back to back along with the other ones, you know, the, the, you know, the more life and, and, and uh, thank me later and views and all that stuff. And then you mix in, you know, the joint album of future, the, the one that he had with, if you're reading this is too late, that one, same kind of concept, right? Like just consistency across the board, man. So you can't even knock it. So now I think, I think I'm looking at my list here. I think we're getting down to like the last three that I want to mention. Um, and I've mentioned two of them already. Um, four, 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 I think was probably the second best album of the decade. Um, frankly. And again, it speaks to the, the grown man rap. It speaks to Jay-Z showing real emotion. It speaks to, uh, high level production, high level lyricism. It was short, but not too short. Um, and you know, I know grown men that were moved to tears off that record. Like it's just, it's, it's on another level. Like I've, I've, to hear people talk about it in that way, you know, I don't know too many other albums that are out here doing that. I would pray. I'll probably put that as the second best album of the decade. I know I'm going out of order. Excuse me. Third best, I would say is victory lap by Nipsey Hussle. I'm biased. I'm a Nipsey guy. I love Nip. I love Nip. I love uh, Victory Lap before he was murdered. I told y'all on the website that Victory Lap was the album of the year in 2018. And if you go back and look at 2018 was a year where everybody was putting out music. Go look at 2018 year in review. Go look at June and August and September of 2018 and look who put out music that year. And and you'll be astonished at some of the some of the names that you see. I'm telling you that uh Nip Hussle's album was the best of that year in my opinion. And, um, and I've thought that all along, long before the tragedy. So, um, and I think again, his death has only elevated the stature of his music and his principles. So when, and when you look at some of the songs and some of the, some of the, the bars that he was dropping, the jewels he was dropping, sprinkling in throughout there, I think it absolutely deserves to be considered as one of the best, the very best of the decade. Um, I would have to say that the number one album of the decade, in my opinion, is good kid, Matt city, Kendrick Lamar. Um, it was just the best man. Like the theme from start to finish, the 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 production the the just the concepts the you know i mean he took a hit like think about swimming pool was the lead single off that record think about swimming pools i i, I was late to swimming pools like it, it took me a few times to hear it while i really kind of got on board i was like okay this is actually kind of dope i was like okay this is actually really dope and then you heard the concept and then you heard it weaved in throughout the rest of the album and you really got to understand the full picture that kendrick was trying to paint um there was really no holes in that record like no flaws I mean, top to bottom, man, it was just a complete masterpiece. Um, when I think of this decade, I think of that album, number one. It's, it was just a, a wonderful piece of art. So going through the rap songs of the decade, I'll move a little quicker on this part. Again, some of these were, were great hits that you know we're all going to think back and remember upon. Um, others were just personal favorites of my own. Um, Bad and Bougie, <laughs> love that song. Uh, March Madness by Future. This is America, Gambino, Sicko Mode, Travis Scott and Drake, although I think Drake stole the show on that. Dreams and Nightmares, Meek Mill, like every basketball team from the NBA all the way down to middle school 
they ran out to dreams and nightmares. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? Like, that killed it. Like, me, me, he, that song's in the Rap Hall of Fame by itself, right? Again, some personal favorites. Uh, Ball Drop, mention that. Um, Reborn, Kid Cudi and Kanye West off the Kid See Ghost record. Love that song. My whole family loves that song. My, my toddler children love that song, even. Um, Blessings by Big Sean and, and had Kanye on the remix. That was fire. Um, Black and Yellow, Wiz Khalifa. I have to dock it a little bit because it's a it's a Pittsburgh, Cleveland thing. But even still, Black and Yellow was fire. One of the big biggest records of the first half of this decade. Four four four, the song by by Jay Z that I mentioned earlier, um, and Kill Jay Z both get a nod um, from that album. Uh, All get right. Nipsey Hussle from Crenshaw, which I didn't mention as far as an album, because technically it wasn't really an album. It was really more of a mixtape, but Crenshaw definitely one of the best projects of this decade. Um, could argue it's even better than Victory Lap, honestly. And uh, the, uh, the song All Get Right featuring Jay Stone, my personal favorite. So that one, if I had to say what one song that I listened to more than any other song these last 10 years, it was probably All Get Right. Straight up. So here's an interesting one. Uh, Exhibit C by Jay Electronica, right? We've had the instrumental on this podcast many times. That record was actually released technically on December 22nd, 2009. I looked it up. Your boy's doing research. Uh, December 22nd, 2009, Exhibit C was there uh, or, or came out. So, I mean, technically it came out in 2009, but like as far as what we think about it, like that, you know, that was in the 2010. So if you want to include that, I'll include that on that on this list because that was one of the top songs. Um, on God off Kanye West's new Jesus is King album. I love On God. Um, Maneuver, French Montana, and and Dave East. I'm hearing some yelling from one of my kids. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry, that was King Kanye with the cameo. Uh, Maneuver, French Montana, and Dave East. Um, I just love that song. Like. <laughs> There's no fanfare around it. It was just a, a random song off a random project. I think it was Dave East's project, but I just love that record. I just played it over and over and over again. Um, and speaking of French, Ain't Worried About Nothing, another one. Just that was, I don't know if that was a single or not, but that song went hard. Um, it went hard in the club, goes hard in the whip, still slaps. Um, Black Effect, if, if you and your lady are rolling somewhere, ah, right? You know, I'm good on any MLK Boulevard, still goes, right? Uh, so that was off the, the Carters record from a couple of summers ago. Um, so we'll throw that on there. Um, obviously, Drake, In My Feelings, was, was huge. Um, my, my, my son, who was, I think, three when that song came out, maybe he was even two still, he knows that song. Like, he sings it, you know what I'm saying? So that was just a huge, huge record. Anything with a dance, Hot Nigga, Bobby Schmurder with the Schmoney Dance, anything with a dance. Uh, Ray Schremert. Uh, Ray Schremert had, had the Black Beatles, right, with the, with the Mannequin Challenge, right? So anything with a movement or anything asking you not to move that went viral. Like those records were huge in this 2010s decade. Um, and then just a few records worth mentioning just from a lyrical standpoint, black, black history by um, prime, right? Royce the five nine, um, uh, DJ premier uh, mural by Lupe fiasco off Tetsuo and youth. If you've never heard mural, just sit back, and wait five minutes and, and your mind will be blown because just like I said, lyrically, it's just like, you just kind of left with your chin on the floor. You know what I'm saying? It's just some of the, just some of the wordplay that he used there. Um, 
I, I love the intro on Forest Hill Drive. It's not really a rap song, but I just love that song. And then No Net, again, which I mentioned part of this game earlier. So, uh, verse of the year, really quickly, a verse of the decade, excuse me. Uh, these are, again, verses that I just happen to think of. Uh, Kendrick Lamar on the That Part remix. Kendrick Lamar on Control. Uh, Drake on, I think it was called Emotional off Scorpion, the second verse. Unbelievable. Rick Ross, Devil in a New Dress. Nicki Minaj on Monster, both off My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Did I mention My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is one of the top albums? Because I meant to if I didn't. It, that's like in the top five. Um, so apologies if I didn't mention that earlier. Um, Lil Wayne's final verse on Let It All Work Out off Carter Five. I'm Dying of Thirst, Kendrick Lamar uh, off Good Kid, Mad City. Exhibit C, the last verse. Smile, Jay-Z on 444, the last verse. Drake's verse on Yes Indeed with Lil Baby. I just happen to love that verse. And pick an Eminem verse. Like I know a lot of cats don't rock with Eminem. I do. Um, there's some verse out there. Maybe the Caterpillar one with Royce the Five Nine. But like, there's some Eminem verse out there that deserves to be in this discussion. I just don't know which one it is. If I had to pick a personal favorite out of that list, I would probably say I'm Dying of Thirst by Kendrick Lamar. Probably. So there you have it, y'all. Jay Hicks' Hip Hop Sports Report Decade in Review. Um, also really quickly wanted to say rest in peace. Cause you know, athletes die all the time. You know, I don't want to sound crass about that, but like, you know, athletes get older and then they pass away. Hip hop is still a new genre. It's still dominated specifically by young people. And they seem to die at, at, at a, at a rate that's just not proportional to other genres of music, other forms of entertainment. And so I just want to take a quick moment to say rest in peace to prodigy, Mac Miller, Sean Price, Fife dog, Bushwick bill, chinks, jugs, XXX and Tacion, Juice World and Nipsey Hustle. So rest in peace to all y'all. We love you at Hip Hop Sports Support. We love what you do for the culture. I know that there's names on there that I did not remember. Forgive me. Okay. Moving along to sports really quick. Um, we talk more sports than we do hip hop on the podcast. So I'm just gonna make this quick. Plus, sports is harder to, is, is less hard to argue, right? I mean, like, who was the best basketball player of the decade? If your answer is anybody other than LeBron James, you need your head examined flat out. Like, LeBron James was the best basketball player of the decade, so we don't really need to spend a lot of time on that. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Three MVPs, three NBA titles, three-time finals MVP. For all the, the, the naysayers that don't think he's better than somebody like Kobe, and their main reason for saying that is because he doesn't have five titles and Kobe does, Kobe was only the best player on two of those five championship teams. That's worth considering. LeBron only has three titles, but he was the best player on all three of those title teams, okay? That counts. Um, the best basketball team of the decade, Golden State Warriors. How do you argue against that? Um, they got lucky in a lot of different ways, but you know what? Dynasties are often built off luck, and luck is the residue of design, so you got to give them props. I don't love their team. As a matter of fact, they beat my Cavaliers <laughs> three times in the NBA Finals this decade, so I don't really like them, but... Got to give respect where respect is due. It's not the Warriors' fault that Kevin Durant wanted to turn tail and and join up with uh, his arch enemies and be a turncoat. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 on Kevin Durant. It ain't on Oklahoma City for signing him. No, they did. They made the right decision to bring him in, and it worked because it helped them get another two rings out of the deal. So, um, got to give it to Golden State, man. They they had um, I believe five NBA Finals appearances consecutively. I don't think that's ever been done, um, and they won three of them. So that's that's pretty spectacular. So shouts to them for that. As far as the best game of the decade, though, and the best moment of the decade in in the NBA, you better believe it was game six, or excuse me, game seven of the 2016 NBA Finals where the Cleveland Cavaliers took home the NBA championship. The first championship in Cleveland sports in 52 years. One of the great moments of the decade. 
And some of you may also consider the the Cubs, obviously coming back from a 3-1 deficit against Cleveland, the Indians, though, um, that same year. And and so that's that was a huge thing. Obviously, I live in Illinois now, so that was a major, major event across the country, but especially in Illinois. So shouts to the Cubs for that. Um, I'm, I'm going to rank Cleveland a little bit higher. Call me biased or whatever. Call me a homer. That's fair. But additionally, I just think that more people care about basketball than they do about baseball. And the city of Cleveland's drought was not as long as the Chicago Cubs drought, but it was a city. It was a city drought. Like they couldn't win in any sport for 52 years. So we're really talking about well over a hundred total seasons. We're talking 150 some total seasons or maybe where they're about 150 seasons total between the three major franchises that couldn't win the title. So yeah, that, that that's going to weigh more a little bit than the Cubs. The Cubs, y'all had Jordan, y'all had a bunch of other stuff in Chicago. Blackhawks won a bunch of titles. I ain't concerned about y'all. Um, but yeah, that was the best moment. Um, 3-1 deficit. You, you have to think back to how the media talked about the Cavs in that series. Your boy picked the Cavs to win that series. He did. And he said when we were down 3-1, we, uh, the Cavaliers still had life. And, um, and that turned out to be true. But and, and the Draymond suspension had nothing to do with the Cavaliers winning. If anybody tells you that, they're lying to you. That's a farce. Um, but beyond just that, Again, just the moment itself, um, the best the best moment, the best play of the decade was the block. It was LeBron chasing down Andre Iguodala and blocking a shot. It was it was it was a defensive play, believe it or not. That was the best play of the decade in the NBA because it came in the final two minutes of the biggest game of the decade. The 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 most the best game, the most important game from a legacy standpoint. It cemented LeBron as one of the top three players in NBA history. Um it, it got Cleveland off the Schneid and stuff and it it wrecked the Warriors seventy three win season, all of that stuff. And, and the Cavs were such an underdog going into that 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 was absolutely the top spot. Um, all-decade team, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. That's the all-decade team. I don't really want to hear too many arguments about that. You can argue James Harden. You can argue Westbrook. Those guys are stat monsters. Kind of came up small in the postseason. Well, what about Chris Paul? He never been to the finals. If you know anything about Chris Paul, you know that Chris Paul is actually statistically one of the great postseason players in NBA history. Now, he's been saddled with injuries at inopportune times. He's been saddled with teammates that weren't up to par, coaches that weren't up to par. There's been a lot of bad luck that's gone against him that's gone in favor of somebody like, say, Stephen Curry. Steph Curry's had a lot of good luck. Chris Paul's had a lot of bad luck. But Chris Paul, one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen, he's in the all-decade first team. If you want to have a second team, you can throw Westbrook, Harden, you know what I'm saying, Giannis maybe, maybe Blake Griffin, maybe Paul George. Uh, guys like that can, can be on the second team, Anthony Davis, etc. And then moving to the NFL quickly, um, the best player. I mean, pff, come on. Come on. <laughs> we all know who's the best player in the NFL these last 10 years. He was already the best player in the NFL the previous 10 years, and then he did it again. He duplicated it in the next 10 years, except he was actually better. Two MVPs, five AFC championships, three Super Bowl titles, two Super Bowl MVPs, won the division every year, went to the playoffs. I think went to the AFC championship game every year. It's, of course, number 12 in New England, Tom Brady. He, he's the GOAT. Um, and the best team, I mean, we know who the best team was. It's the Patriots for all the reasons I just mentioned. Um, the best game, I would say, also involved the Patriots because all the Super Bowls came down to the wire. I actually think honorable mention goes to Super Bowl 51, the 28-3 the, the comeback that Atlanta blew that lead. But I actually think the better game was the Seattle game, Super Bowl 49, where Brady led the – Patriots back from a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit, which at that time was the greatest fourth-quarter deficit ever overcome in Super Bowl history until he broke that record two years later against Atlanta. 
And the best play also came in that game. It was actually the Malcolm Butler interception. When you consider the, the, the film study and everything that went into it, the, the coaching substitution that took place at the final moment, um, it was luck that Seattle actually got down there. So everybody likes to say, well, New England got lucky because they didn't hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Well, Seattle got lucky because Jermaine Curse caught a lucky bounce against Malcolm Butler that even got them down near the goal line in the first place. So that's a wash. Who made the play? Malcolm Butler made the play. One of the greatest defensive plays you'll ever see. So, shouts to him for that. That was the play of the decade, in my estimation, uh, given the time and circumstance and just the play that he made. I don't know how the ball stuck to his chest. I still don't get it. You know, and then honorable mention as far as best plays, Stephon Diggs, that catch against the Saints in the playoffs. Um, other great athletes, you know, we got the Olympic guys, Phelps, Usain Bolt, uh, Serena Williams, obviously the greatest female athlete of the decade. She was just voted that. If I were to say who was the best male athlete of the decade I think it's you know you could put Floyd Mayweather in that conversation um the Olympic guys I don't really put them up there just as much simply because they only compete once every four years so they're great but Phelps and Usain Bolt and those guys I don't I don't really consider them in that same class um Tiger Woods actually had the greatest comeback story of this year him winning the Masters was the greatest sports story of the year probably and um, we saw Kawhi Leonard do some amazing things for the city of Toronto in the one year he was there that, that was an amazing run that they went on but they got lucky because Golden State was injured so um, but getting back to the athlete of the decade, um, Serena, hands down, from a female perspective, from a male standpoint, um, it's hard for me personally to, to judge the, the soccer guys also, the Messis of the world, the Ronaldos. Um, so I'll just chalk that up as a fault of mine. But if I'm, it, it's got to come down to Brady and LeBron. And I don't think you can really go wrong with either one. I think LeBron going to eight straight finals, remarkable. Don't let anybody tell you different. He won. He's an eight-time consecutive Eastern Conference champion that's never been done before. Um, and he did it on multiple teams. That's never been done before. So it's just, it's just crazy. Um, and Brady, obviously, with the success and longevity that he's had, I think you can't go wrong with either one. If you pick LeBron, that's great. If you pick Brady, that's great. LeBron's the, probably the better overall athlete. Brady probably accomplished more in a sport where it's harder to stay on top. So I'm good with either one of those guys, honestly. Um so, yeah, that's it, man. I think we're going to uh, set aside the rest of the time to talk to my beautiful wife. So, sit tight. We're going to bring her on the preseason podcast of the year, y'all. But that's it. Decade in review. Let me know what you think. What did I forget? What did I miss? Give me something to check out. What did I fail to consider? I'm going to tell you why you're wrong, but I'll hear you out anyways because I'm magnanimous like that. Hit your boy up on Twitter. I'll be right back with the wife. All right. We're back. And joining me now is my better half, the most beautiful woman on earth, my little brown skin beauty. <laughs> She's looking embarrassed right now. And I apologize. I don't even have headphones for it because this is a two-bit operation. You know what I'm saying? But she's joining me here to talk about the Netflix show Rhythm and Flow, y'all. The, the Chance the Rapper T.I. Cardi B show was like American Idol but for hip hop I thought it was an excellent show very well done very respectful for hip hop and and the not just the you know the song I mean not just you know the the what am I trying to say not just like the the chart stuff that start the stuff that you hear on radio but it was very respectful for the art of lyricism and that kind of thing and they had respected MCs on there that's what I'm trying to get across my wife Ashley is here hi Ashley hello everyone Speaking to the mic a little bit. Hello, hello. Okay, that's a little too much. Okay, we don't need that much, Ashley. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, um, we had talked about talking about rhythm and flow on the podcast before. And so, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share your thoughts about the show. So, 
What did you think? I thought the show was excellent. I thought it was really well done. I loved the production. I felt like Netflix really put their money behind it. Um, well, they weren't giving Monique any money, so they had to make this money. <laughs> they had to give the money to some other kind of black people, right? Wow. Um, oh, did we have to go there? Oh, of course we did. Of course we did. <laughs> no, but I thought the show was really good. I loved um, I loved the dynamic of Cardi and T.I. and Chance. Um, just, you know, Cardi, you know, she's just so ratchet. She's so extra. So extra and unfiltered. But I thought it was good and it was fun for this show. Um, spoiler alert. So the spoiler's coming, y'all, if y'all haven't seen it. So just before we dive into the specifics about the show, like, let's just alert the people that if you haven't seen it already, this is where you want to cut the podcast off now, put a pin in it, watch the series, and then come back. And then Chance is kind of like more like the serious one, but he's young. So it's just like he is, um, you know, like the the uh, rookie. He's kind of like the rookie, even though Cardi is young too. But just the dynamic on the show as far as judges. Like he just seems like the young, serious one is trying to like step into the mentorship role. And then um, and then T.I. is like the OG, you know, who everybody, he kind of almost makes the final decision for I felt like. Well, he kind of was telling, like, he was making decisions for Cardi at a certain point, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like when when somebody is seared and seasoned in a room like that, you kind of... You respect them. You know, you respect them and you respect their opinion. Like, they know more than you do, more more often than not. So, uh, but yeah, just the production of the show, the, the competitions that they had. The competitions were so dope. Um, they had, uh, what, uh... They made a video. So they shot their own music video they at one point. They shot their own music video. I mean, they were performing on stage in front of live crowds. Like, yep. they, they did remixes of classic samples that they picked, and then they remixed them themselves and created their own new records. Um, they had to uh, they do a battle. battle. They did a battle round battle where they round. battled each other, and, and the winner of that battle was eliminated from the show. They had some wrong... They got some stuff wrong in the battle. Like, Old Man Saxon beat D-Smoke, but D-Smoke got the nod for... I mean, I think he beat D-Smoke, but he got the nod D-Smoke did for because he was better overall in the competition, and we ended up seeing that moving forward. And yeah. uh, there was another... And Jacob had beat... Uh, oh, yeah, Charmaine. the cat from Denver. For, in, in our opinion, yeah. you know, um, for the battles, I thought Jacob... That was the only... The battle episode was the only thing that I probably would have changed. I feel like... Just because somebody won the battle doesn't necessarily mean that they should advance. I felt like the judges should have still, um, because sometimes there'll be like two people who sucked at the battle. (laughs) And I feel like both of those people should have been eliminated, but they had to choose one one, who won that battle. And it's just like, I wish they just would have just looked at the entire uh, talent, all the talent, and just decide who they wanted to who didn't do well, regardless if you won the battle or not. If you didn't do well in that competition, I just felt like you should have been Because there were some better people that ended up getting eliminated in that round, like right. Jacob from Denver. Yeah. I don't think he had the look of a rap star, but he beat Troy Man in that battle. I don't right. care what nobody says. He beat him. Exactly. And he didn't advance. And so, you know, I think there was a little politics involved with that. But then they also had another episode because, where... Because, like, that one girl, um, Big Mouth... Big Mouth Bo? Big Mouth Bo. From Chicago? Yeah, because I think she was a big mouth disaster. Yeah, she was. (laughs) Oh my gosh, she was awful. That attitude. Her attitude was stank as hell, y'all. It was 
it was Chicago stank. Like that's that's how stank it was. Shout out to the Windy City. Yeah, she she was something else, man. I, we didn't like her personality wise on the show. Yeah. Or, or her music that much, but yeah, but I think she won in the battle and she advanced. Like somebody like that could have been eliminated in that round because she wasn't great to begin with. On her audition, she didn't even rap. She oh yeah, did spoken she, word. She did a spoken word, and Chance just put her through to the next round. Like right. she was supposed to go to the to the to the like the nighttime thing, like the event where they were actually going to be judged in front of three other people, like three people where Royce was a judge and Chance was a judge. That she was supposed to be. She was supposed to graduate from that round to the next round before going to L.A. Chance put her straight through to L.A. Like you're in, and it's just like what? Like what right. are you seeing her that's so special? Because she said something about police brutality, and Chance just ushered her on to L.A. And it's just like okay, yeah. Chance liked anybody who spoke about police brutality or who spoke about uh, the Lord. our Lord and Jesus is Savior, <laughs> church. <laughs> Or, or black empowerment. If you were talking about <laughs> any of those things, you were automatically on Chance's good side. So that's a tip so for funny. season two, y'all. <laughs> right. Where we laughed at Chance the whole which season. Which was so funny. And I understand, like, the editing of the show, too. Like, Big Mouth Bo, she probably did rap at that little auditorium, but they only aired her spoken right. word. Right. But um, maybe. I mean, either way, she should not have been. Doubt, she should not have been sent straight to LA, regardless. Unless she like couldn't make it, I don't know. It, yeah, maybe there's some stuff behind the scenes we don't know about. But, uh, but yeah, they, so they had all these different competitions. Um, I think we're missing a few too. The award even. show uh, performance. So that was, was the last really one. Good. That was they, the finale. They got to do dancers. Oh, and the duet and... with the with the R and B singer. <gasps> the duets with the R and B singers. Oh my gosh, that, that was your was favorite like episode. My favorite episode. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love so, that. So, so, so again, spoilers. I right? so the last, the final four uh, was D Smoke. Was it four people on that episode? Mm-hmm. It was no, it was more than that. It was like six. Oh yeah, because Caleb Colossus. Caleb Colossus was on there. He with, did it with uh, um, Ty Dolla Sign, I think. Yeah, Ty Dolla Sign. And then that was a good one. And we like Caleb Colossus, except yeah, he, he just had, had no star, no star yeah. power, no 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 appeal yeah, about him. I thought he had talent. Yeah, he's he got just some talent didn't though. Have, like, no it factor. Yeah, he just he, he had he had the not it factor. <laughs> yeah, but I actually liked his song. I love that song he made. Um, I forgot the Michelangelo what? flow, something uh, like that with the big pun beat. The big pun. Yeah, don't. The, I'm yeah. still not a player. He, yeah. he he freaked that remix, and then he did his own something about Michelangelo. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a good one. That was that a good was, record. Yeah, that was like it a was straight a, up radio. Like I would download that right now, and he blasted it. But um, but yeah, that was a good one. And so so there so and then um so there was Tory Lanez was on there. Oh yeah. He Tory he Lanez. collaborated with uh. Do you remember who? Uh, I tied out or no Troy Man, right? Maybe it was Troy Man. And D Smoke was with um, Miguel. Yep. Yep. And then Flawless was with Janae. Flawless Real Talk was with Janae Iko. Tiana Taylor was with London B. And um, they had uh, King Lopes was the rap coach. Forgot to mention that. Oh yeah, he was funny. He was funny. And then they had um, <clears throat> and then uh, they had real like real live producers like London on the track. And Soundwave and and uh, some other cats on on the finale episode when they did their Grammy award winning performance, right? Mm-hmm. Did we miss any other features when when they did the collab, the duet? I don't think so. I don't. I remember if it was four or five at that point. Something like that. So, anyways, at any rate, it was it was a very 
dope show, wouldn't you say? It was, it was just dope. I mean, and I just feel like the finalists were just so talented, like all of them. Like, I felt like all of them have a place in hip hop. Like, they have something to contribute. Um, Shout out to Nip. <laughs> yeah, and we got to see Nipsey Hussle on the first episode. Yeah, he was on the first episode, actually. Um, but yeah, I just felt like they were just so talented. Like, they really just did a great job as far as, you know, going to city to city and picking out the best talent. And the, the finalists, I felt like, were the best out of the group. Like, you know, pretty much week by week, I pretty much almost always agreed with who should be eliminated. Yeah. Uh, outside of that battle, um, the battle episode, outside yeah. of the battle rap episode, but for the most part, like I pretty much agreed and you kind of know, like I knew pretty much like on the second episode, like who were the cream of the crop of the group kind of thing. But so, but so yeah. D, D smoke won. <laughs> you just gonna flat out tell him. Well, we already said spoiler alert. D smoke. No, but just because we said it, don't mean we gotta spoil it. Yeah, we do. Because I need to ask you, do you think that they got it right? Did they get that part right? Oh, yeah. Um, and why did why you like D Smoke? I mean, he's multi talented. He's he's multilingual. Is he multi talented though? No, yeah, kidding. that's part of it. Um, <laughs> you know, the fact that he speaks Spanish and he plays the piano and just even the production that he put together for that Last Supper song. Um, I mean, it was very Kendrickish, and the guys from. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, South Central or whatever, or Compton. Or I whatever. feel like everybody kind of was like somebody. Like to me, flawless was kind of a little Eminemish slash Drakeish. <laughs> Eminem slash Drake. So here's here's my only thing. I, I I told you this before. I think flawless should have won. Mm-hmm. Not because oh, you think flawless should have won. I, I do think so. Okay. Because I I think and I have no issue with D Smoke winning because D Smoke uh-huh. was as talented as anybody, probably the most talented of anybody. Um, probably more talented than Flawless, but Flawless was supremely talented, and I felt like Flawless, he didn't flub any competition. That's true. He he was a better contestant in regards to just showing up and showing out kind of thing, because I mean, he, he smoke he, messed up a lot. D, yeah, well, I don't say a lot, but he, I mean, he, he messed uh, up. Uh, he messed up a lot on one episode. Yeah. But, I mean, D-Smoke was not Flawless. American Idol's contestants aren't messing up like these rappers was on <laughs> On these, uh, American, like, well, well they're not singing original songs on American Idol either, are they? I mean, they're singing already written works. I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know, but they had to write and like memorize and then perform and produce their own records within like 72 hours or whatever and turn it around for the next competition. It was a lot of work. It was really hard. I mean, I just think that Flawless was solid on every competition and D-Smoke was solid on almost every competition. So if you have to pick a person who's the winner, I kind of feel like yeah. it should probably, like my vote would probably go to Flawless just because he was the least flawed of any of yeah. the competitors. Yeah. But D-Smoke was probably the most talented. So I've got no issue with D-Smoke yeah. winning. And then uh, Troy Man was a finalist he, we agree. He got better every single week, and yes. it was so dope to see his progression. He was like most improved. Like, yeah, he was just like growing, just right in front of our eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then London B was also a finalist, and and we really liked her. Also, she was also very talented. Even though if she was, well, go ahead and say it. I can't change. I can't change. <laughs> I can't change, I can't well, change. Well, I wasn't even going to say that. Full up, drop out. I was at my aunt's house. I was sleeping on the cot now. It was too cold, so cold. That's, that's all slaps. It's some sorry it slaps. But no, I was actually going to say, London B, um, how old do you think she is? Oh, 
They say she's 24 on the episode. But? I don't believe that she's 24. <laughs> I don't believe it because, for one, I think she's too mature. Um, it, it just it just didn't add up to me. Like, she looks a lot older than 24. And, you know, I had this conversation with my family. And they're like, well, it's because of the makeup and all that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. She had a hairdo? I don't know. I don't know. I think she's 34. Ooh, that's a shot. Anyways, um, <laughs> that'll just about wrap it up. We're out of time here for the podcast for December 31st and for the, the decade of the 2010s, y'all. Give yourself a, a pat on the back and a round of applause. Yes, sweetheart. Ooh, one last thing. Okay. Flawless. Drop real talk. Oh, just, yeah. Just be flawless. Just just go by flawless. Okay. And, okay. yeah, I mean, <laughs> you also thought he was a little funny, like, on his Instagram, like he was posted in the in a Rolls Royce or whatever. You thought he was like a little fake humble or something like that. Okay. All right. All right. You ain't gotta say it. We'll, we'll save that for the next podcast. You did great, sweetheart. You should come on more often. Oh well, thanks. You I should, should invite me more often. I should record more often, but um, yeah, it, it's yeah, whatever. All right, y'all. Thank you. Two thousand tens are in the books. Happy New Year's. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We about to bang that ball drop tonight. And we're going to enjoy ourselves this evening. We love y'all. Thank y'all for supporting Hip Hop Sports Support over the 2010s. I'm nothing without y'all. We out of here. Peace.